Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries podcast. I'm Chuck. This interview is part one of three with Fawn Baker of Red Tree Tattoo in Columbus, Ohio. This episode is called Stoner Moments. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. We were talking about your awesome um, fish collection. I love the one that looks like you're, you're creating moonshine in the background. <laughs> it's a six gallon wine carboy. I love it. It's perfect. <laughs> like that really is what it is. It's definitely <laughs> making wine. Um, I love it. So that's actually been like a year and a half biology project for me. Um, wow. I got it to where I could sustain fish in it without even having a, like a filter or a pump or anything. Like I got the sand that, um, nutrient, I guess. Yeah. Like the, the bio, the bio community in there has finally like come together about, about three months ago, I did put like a tiny little sump pump on it just so I can go like twice as long between water changes now. But I'm actually pretty proud of that because that's something that shouldn't work. And I've got like nine fish in there and a whole bunch of shrimp and it's something that like in theory shouldn't work at all like it shouldn't I shouldn't really even be able to grow plants in there without being a nerd but well dude that's um that's like your your church hack like yeah it's it's my it's my tiny ecosystem that's where I like get to be like all right I'm in charge of you I get to play boss I get it's it's like I don't want to say like playing God but it's like playing God like I have this tiny little community that I I'm in charge of keeping alive that's that's the podcast, right? Like, like that's the like podcast. That's our art. It's like it's everything we do. Yeah, <laughs> we love playing God. <laughs> How do you guys feel about me smoking weed on your show? Oh, do it. Oh, we're, we're not. We're, we don't. We're not escalating to uh, not escalate, but we haven't done video quite yet, and we might. But we're we're open to whatever. Um, whatever your vibe is, it's um, it's about your comfort. Um, yeah. And Rico is joining you. He's just vaping. <laughs> Yes, you're not alone. (laughs) Okay, now I'm official. Now I'm comfortable. Now I've got celebration. It's like you know what it is. It's like you know how little little kids have like fidget spinners to keep them like rolling weed is my fidget spinner. Nice. And then smoking it, it evolves into smoking it. So it gives me something to do with my hands and my mouth. And then I've got coffee for the in between. Yep. That's fixations um, covered. Do you roll uh, cone joints or do you roll like the fish gut ones or? I roll blunts. I roll very tidy nice. little blunts that still like look like they've come out of the Swisher pack originally. Oh, you use uh, Swishers? Yeah, I mean, I actually prefer there are some um, all hemp tobacco free wraps that uh, raw makes. They don't say raw on them. They just have Josh's initials on them. It's the only way you'd know they were raw. But um those are my favorite. They smoke just as good as Swishers, but they don't have that nicotine. I don't crave the nicotine at all. I've never smoked yeah. cigarettes. So it's kind of like, I need to make sure there's enough weed that the nicotine's not going to give me a headache before I get what I want out of the weed. So yeah. there's like this balance. Everybody's like, why are your blunts so fat, Fawn? I'm like, have you heard of nicotine? It's disgusting. Gotta cancel <laughs> it out. <laughs> I, love I don't think I'm doing a very good job, but that's my goal. That's the... <laughs> Yeah, we would uh we use uh green leaf Dutch masters. I, you know, I get I get down with Dutch masters sometimes. Yeah, like the, the game the wraps, leaf. they're nice. Yeah, that's what we would use. I, I mostly like, you know, I, I'll vape now or just hit the ball. Yeah, okay. Right on. Because the problem with when I would uh roll blunts back in the day, I'd want to just take the whole thing to the face. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I do that as well. You'll see. Yeah. You're sitting there zoning out. It's like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> it, it sucks me in, really. I mean, every now and then it makes me want to jump down like more rabbit holes than I need to. Like it makes me want to like elaborate on itty bitty little details that might not be crucial to the conversation. But other times it just like, I don't know, it, it keeps me in the moment, I think, mm-hmm. instead of worrying about things that like in this moment I can't do anything about anyways. Oh, hell yeah. 
Well, not only that, but it's super interesting. I think, uh, I don't know. Unlike for me anyway, um, even when I was, uh, a non-smoker, I appreciated the conversations of my sonar friends, much unlike the, the evolution of the human that would happen when they would get drunk. So <laughs> it is a totally different thing that like yes. our bodies go through. And then like the people around us go through when we're drinking versus yeah. smoking. And then it's different for everybody. Yeah. Like true. I don't know how to talk people out of like, you know, when people get, I used to bartend before I tattooed. So like when people would get either angry or sad, you don't always know what to do to fix that. Mm-hmm. Where like with weed, if somebody gets a little bit anxious or like they get a little drowsy, you just like get them a snack or you say, it's all right, homie, you're in a safe place. You go right. ahead and have that anxiety attack in about 30 seconds. You're going to be enjoying yourself again. That's mm-hmm. right. Or take sometimes there's, yeah, but, but sometimes like just simply like, oh no, that's, that's what it feels like, but you're safe. Like oh. sometimes with a stoner, that's all you need, but you can't do that with somebody who's drinking because they're mm-hmm. already in their feels and they're already not making sense where like, yeah. If somebody smoked too much weed or say they're, they're new to dabs or hashed and they overdo it, like you just kind of got to treat them like a little kid. Like it's okay. It's It's coachable. Yeah. 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 Like, like, oh, you feel your heartbeat. It it actually does that all the time. You're just aware of it right now. And I know your eyelids feel really heavy, but you got this, you got the muscles to open them. You can do it. It's going to be fine. The same with, uh, we were talking about, um, mushroom and acid trips. He, he recognized a lot about himself when he was doing it for the first time and he was mm-hmm. communicating it all to me. And I was like, yeah, yeah. One of the things was like, Hey, if I have like a bad thought, I can completely switch it over. I said, yeah, you can, you can actually do that all the time though. <laughs> like this isn't just some mushrooms. You can actually just, you know, choose to think about something different and guess what your entire experience will change (laughs) well i do think that works up to an extent because like if somebody really like you know does something to trigger your rage so to speak or your aggression no amount of thinking is gonna like undo that yeah but i'm not anti-rage like i'm fine with as long as it's constructive constructively like put out and i'm not gonna say that you're not gonna yell at me but as long as like you don't beat me to a pulp or something and you just communicate rage to me or you take it out on a painting or whatever mm-hmm. i'm fine with rage Lift like that's weights, cool <laughs> so my nephew is one of my favorite people and he's one of those people he came out an old soul so he's like always been a person like yes he's a child he's a kid yeah. but he's always been a person and when he was little little like just learning how to talk like and i mean in his twos where like it's very wow. frustrating for a child cuz like sometimes they can't they don't have the words yet to tell you what they need but i remember where he'd be like looking for words to tell us what was wrong you could just see the anger build in him and we'd be like and he's little he's like yeah. he's 12 now but he's still teeny tiny for his age Aww. he's just a little guy so imagine this this tiny little old man like just like all of his muscles and his shoulders and neck are tense and his arms are like just tight. And he's like, he's not like swinging them. They're just like, you can see the tension in his little body. And we're like, Sam, what's the matter? And he's like, Oh, I'm so angry. (laughs) (laughs) And then then what would be next? And sometimes he'd say sads, but like, he'd say whatever his emotion was. And then it'd be like, okay, well, why are you angry? And then we'd have to like go backwards as he was like finding the words to communicate with us why he was angry. One of the things, one of the things that I, I think is so cool about Sam is because at Two, at little on up, he's doing things that take us until our 20s to learn how to do. Like he's using the words that he has to say what the problem is mm-hmm. to the best of his ability. And that's such a just, hmm, it's such a basic thing. You know what I mean? It's such a basic thing, but it's something that for whatever reason, people have such a hard time just expressing themselves. Like it's not even always like a pressure situation. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like, just share your feelings, share your thoughts. And for, for so many people, that's such a challenge. So one of the things I love is reflecting on how, like when Sam was little, how he would communicate and we just have to like bounce backwards down the rabbit hole to find out like what the problem was. But it was just like, 
he was ready. He was ready to get it out, but the words weren't there yet. Yeah. It took me 14 years of therapy to, to get to that. See, level. you know, <laughs> and, I, and I think that like, you know, people like, and, and letting your anger out, like it, it doesn't have to be physically violent, you know, mm-hmm. 99% of the time will never come to that. But like, you know, like a lot of people will, if somebody is pissing them off, instead of, you know, letting it be known in that moment, they bottle it up. And then somebody that they love the most or whatever ends up taking the brunt of that. That's why I'm a fan of if somebody's pissing you off in the moment, let them have it. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean like, you know, physical altercation, just, you know, elevated voice, you know, just let it out. Because when you bottle all that crap up, like eventually, and if, because some people are really good at like, you know, suppressing that kind of stuff as they get older, it could trigger a stroke. Like my uh, uncle mm-hmm. in Italy ended yep. up having a stroke because he was one of those guys that would never, you know, voice anything. He'd be like, oh, whatever, you know, but he always kept bottling, 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 ended up giving him a stroke. Yeah. Or cancer or, you know, <clears throat> massive anxiety, panic attacks. It like that shit takes it out on yep. your body, Stand no matter whatever, whatever way, but your body can't can't contain that amount of rage. It's really unhealthy. Yeah. Or, or well, and sadness. then you've got like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back kind of situation where you're carrying around rage, carrying around mm-hmm. rage. And this is how it is for me. Like, and yeah. it's been years since I've really like lost my temper. And like, I, I feel like I've grown a lot over the last several years, but oh, where was I going with the rage? We could talk about anger all day long. <laughs> right well we got time man yeah. <laughs> um yeah where was i going with that do you want to do you want to just kick it off now and then i mean we've been recording this whole time we can edit it down but i i feel like the conversation we have been having has been pretty dope we're pretty free form anyway with even our recording stuff we add oh. a little bit here and whatever, damn that is expertly crafted i know right Fun. oh it's just the it's this is just the canoe right now we take, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we take the crap I we take like, the cracked man. shell. Now we're loading the cracked shell. <laughs> Angle just looked like a perfect. I was like, Dang. I saw Vaughn do this while I was talking the last time, like like two different ones. I was like, damn, I was admiring the skills though as she went. She was good. She's mm-hmm. really good. Um, Derb, so, when Derb introduces me to new people, like, and a lot of times, like, I'm just like hanging out. I'm not even like tattooing. I'll be like after I'll be done tattooing or it'll be like before <laughs> I'm tattooing, I'm just hanging out waiting. And he'll introduce me to like very high profile people. And he'll be like, and this is Fawn. She's the blunted one. And then it'll be like <laughs> a week later or several hours later, however long later of this person knowing me, they're like, oh, you're an artist too. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought you rolled the blunts. Uh, No, check my workout. It's pretty rad. (laughs) The blunts are a tool that lead to the work. I might call this episode the blunted one. The blunted one. Blunted one. one. Mad thumbs. It's it's a good way to evolve. Either that or an artist too. And then we we get to the blunted one. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. But well, and here's the thing: I haven't even been rolling blunts that long. I just have high standards for myself. That's right. You got (laughs) it. Once you figure out that nobody's really doing it to your you know, specific estimations, you got to just take it on. And then- well, and here's another thing. I like sharing this. Anytime I watch anybody else roll a blunt and they like crack it and then they lick the whole thing or they like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I like to point out that I can roll a nice blunt with minimal saliva. Sometimes like when COVID was COVID was at like the height and you know, we, we really didn't know, like, should we be sharing? Should we not be sharing? I carried honey around with me. So I would steal the blunts with honey and then I'd roll Damn. like personal blunts. So my client could smoke and I could oh. smoke, but we wouldn't be like sharing per se. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so the honey awesome. blunts was nice. Minimal Damn. saliva. And then believe it or not, they burn better when you have minimal saliva. Damn. See, you're like all the kind of smoke. I just learned blunts, something you're today. You're totally a MacGyver smoker. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and I bet that tasted awesome. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, it does. The honey tastes oh, great. Some you can actually coat the that. whole inside of the blunt with honey, and then oh. as it burns, the cherry like um it caramelizes. It. Yeah. Yeah, but not like sugar because honey burns just a little bit differently than sugar does. So you yeah. get like a very nice, slow burning, very smooth blunt. Ooh. Yeah, and it's, it it just wow. puts that caramely aromatic out there. 
the 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 foodie in him wow. is intrigued. I know. I'm like, <laughs> what you have to take? You can food? use jelly. You can use like I've used grape jelly, but you could use peach is really good if you can get your hands on Dude, some peach ooh. preserve because it's so sticky. You can use it to seal blunts the same way. He's he. You just leveled him up. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. So everyone, we're talking with Fawn Baker of of uh, uh, Red Tree Tattoo of Columbus, Ohio. Correct. I got it all right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Awesome. Good job. Hey, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to today. Welcome to today, which is not going to be today, today, what we're, what we're recording. You're going to hear it uh, post-dated, but, uh, or whatever. Yeah. After, but uh, yeah, we're, we're here. We're learning lots of things. Fawn's got like this beautiful setup. I took several like screenshots of you and your beautiful cat. What's your cat's name? Uh, Gray. Gray. Appropriate. My, my, my animals have the least creative names in the world. Uh, I, my dog is super low to the ground. She's a American bully dog. So she, I actually measured her recently. She's only 14 inches tall. So I call her Lolo. She's Lolo. two times as low as other dogs. <laughs> and then I've got a, I've got another cat who I rescued after a storm in our backyard. He got trapped Aww. back there when he was a little kitten and we kept him. And it was like a two week search for a name and everybody was bouncing out names that I've already had like cats that name growing up, or I knew somebody that had a cat that name, or like, I know a person with that name. So I just kept calling him Mr. Like, come on, Mr. Come on. Yep. So he's just Mr. Now. Like that's, his, I like it. that's his official, official name. <gasps> Go get it. Go get it. We're fine. Yep. Like we're rolling. Everyone's going with us on this journey. It's awesome. Have a torch. <laughs> right on. Nice. One another thing to note about Fawn is that um, she's one of the uh, two hosts that that run the Tattoo Collecting podcast. Um, and is it going to be Tattoo a Tattoo Collecting One Hundred and One? Or is um, that official? I think I think very soon I'm going to probably make the change. It's it's been the Tattoo Collecting podcast all along, and I like that. But I just feel like if we make it Tattoo Collecting One Hundred and One, that's going to that's going to be a little bit more honest and accurate about what we're doing, um, and then it kind of like encompasses a little bit more because I've already got a web page set up for us. I haven't done a lot with it, but there's even like an interactive community that I've built in. So like oh, once cool. our following grows, we'll have like you know how reinventing has the community mm-hmm. where we can all talk and communicate and share. Yeah. I want as our following with the podcast grows, I would love for collectors to start having that community because like those of us right that on. attend conventions, you know, we we hang out with the collectors and we we are the collectors as well, but like for people that have never been to a convention or people that like, you know, that's just not their social group, that's not their social circle. Um, I'd love to have a place where like people can come together and talk about their experiences. Like aside from just listening to me run my mouth about my experiences right. and the guests that we have on talk about their experiences, when you can just go and you've got this whole forum board where you can start communicating and sharing awesome. stories and talking about artists that might not be famous, but need people to hear their name. You know what I mean? Right. There's a, there's a lot of awesome talent out there and that person just might not be good at marketing, but they're super talented. Oh, absolutely. Where that, that's that's where the collectors have so much power because your collectors are your billboard. So if we can start making the collector community something outside of just the tattoo industry, if that collector right. community realizes they're a community and they're like a tribe, you know, they're all they've all achieved a lot of the same things in life and they've achieved a lot of the same life lessons. So like I think once people start realizing that that's almost like the rite of passage that we go through when we're really heavily tattooed. And once, yeah. once you realize that you've like stepped through that gate, there are so many other people that have stepped through that gate, or you can just use it to be like, look, this area of the body sucked. Make sure you eat, you eat your Wheaties, make sure you yeah. take your vitamins. You're yep. going to feel hit like a truck tomorrow. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I just think there's so much that like, as, as tattooers, we learn from one another all the time, yeah. but I think there's a lot of information that, collectors and a lot of valuable information that collectors can bring to one another. And there's not necessarily a super good platform to do that. So, so, and I feel like yours is, um, and the reason why I, I do, um, really love your podcast in that premise is that it's, it kind of side notes, um, 
a lot of what our podcast is trying to do as well, which is, you know, bring information to the journey of learning something and how I think people always look at us as tattoo artists as some kind of, you know, rock, like something separate than, than what they are. When I, I truly believe that we are everything that, that culminates into an entrepreneurial spirit and, um, you know, uh, worker and, and, um, professional and all of that stuff. So, um, educating people. And that's why we educate multiple, or we educate, we, um, interview multiple types of professions as well, because we want people to see the cross parallels between that. And then also to learn a little bit about tattooing. We've interviewed guests of ours as well, our, our guests, clients of ours as well. Um, just so that they do get that kind of insight into their experience, just because it, it it is, it's a nice, it's a nice partner thing to what you're trying to grow. I did have a question for you uh, right off the top that maybe um, would help uh, people <coughs> in, in growing their, their vision of, of whatever idea they have. I know <laughs> it's awesome. Um, now Sorry guys, it was the blunt, not COVID. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> if you do have to, to point out you do you guys realize my last name is baker right yes yes that's awesome it has a double uh, entendre <laughs> I, I got a I got a name to live up to that's right but you're already adding jellies and honey to your experience so you, you're you're hitting it on both sides <laughs> hey you know I am a foodie too I, there I am you definitely go. a foodie too but there you go yes <laughs> I love it well, I wanted to ask, you know, you had mentioned that you're, you've built a community outside of your webpage, um, just for the listeners to think about that if they have their own vision and, and wants, um, what's, what is the host, uh, site that you use and do you, is that the same thing that you built your community on, or is that a separate thing that you linked over? Tattoocollecting.com. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's super easy. If you just tattoo collecting, it'll, it'll either bring up our Instagram or our webpage. And then if you go to our webpage, I've got links that'll bounce you right back to reinventing. So it's just kind of like a cyclical, if you want just oh. our content, you can have it, or it'll loop you right back into the reinventing platform. Got you. So is the community, um, service by what reinventing? It's um, actually through Wix. Okay. That's what I was yeah, getting. Yeah. I, I, I built the, it's actually like to look at it, it looks even more simple than it is because everything's just kind of like blacked out and super duper simple. I want, I wanted the information yeah. to be there, but I don't necessarily have the time to like interact and moderate a community, but yeah. the bones are built in and like, nice. you know, there's a message board where like I've introduced myself and Gabe's introduced himself. And, you know, I've got, I've got a few people that have like logged on and like joined nice. the community, but we're not, <clears throat> we're not necessarily real interactive yet. That's going to be something that we're going to grow into. I just wanted it to be built in right from the start. Right. So that like, we know who's following us from the start and we can like go back and, you know, thank them for hanging in there from the beginning. But That's it wonderful. also gives us like a window to see how other collectors potentially will be interacting with each other. And I think that'll be a cool way to be like, hmm, this person's really got a lot to say and I don't know who they are, but I feel like we should. Right. So that's where I think the the community platform on on our webpage in the future as our our following grows, I, I that's where I think it's going to be really helpful. Oh, absolutely, and I kind of like that you are doing something in your own right um, instead of relying on because you can just easily do that through Facebook and things yeah. like that. But you're getting off, you know, mainstream social media platforms. To, a lot to of my clients are own. grownups and they're not even yeah. really on social media. Like they'll yeah. have it, but they're not they're not glued yeah. to it. Like some of us are. And like, even right. myself, like I still have my Facebook, my Facebook's active, but yeah. like once I made it once, so on Facebook, <clears throat> once you, ha once you have 5,000 followers, you have to change your profile to a public image <clears throat> page. Um, basically it's like a, a bit, like if you're a business or a a different kind of entity, but anyways, it changes the layout of your Facebook a little bit. So you don't have a normal newsfeed. Gotcha. Like you only have a news feed for like other pages, other like public figure pages. Oh. So like I can see my science pages, I can see my art pages, I can see other artists that have gone through the same thing. 
but I can't like just sit and creep on like, you know how you can just get lost scrolling on people. You don't even know, like, it's just this conversation led to this. Now I'm down this rabbit hole. I'm reading about people. I don't even know drama. I've never seen. I'm on my third bag of popcorn. Nothing's been resolved yet. (laughs) So I don't have that with Facebook anymore, but anything I share on Instagram, I still share to Facebook. Um, but, but that's me. So I, so I know there are a lot of clients of mine that don't want all that extra noise and they don't want all that extra drama. So they'll use it to like check in and they don't even have notifications. So this is one of those, like, I think once, once our community grows and once we start pushing it and encouraging people to get a little bit more active, I think it's going to be just a cool way for, instead of somebody going to their Facebook wall and being like, where can I get a good tap? I got an idea. I need it next Tuesday. Right. And yeah. then you have this flood of people recommending really good artists who you're yeah. not going to have a chance to get into next Tuesday. Right. Or uh-huh. they're recommending like tattoo Timmy down the street. He just got his stuff off Amazon. He'll hook you up real cheap. Mm-hmm. Like yep. there's no filter for it. Where like if people have that same exact question and they come to our page and they can pose the same exact question, they should they can be like, I live in Arkansas. I want a tattoo Tuesday of whatever. And hopefully uh, one day our, our our platform will be big enough that they'll you know, somebody will reply like, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm from such and such. I got this tattoo from such and such one community over from you. And it'll just hopefully open that like, Oh, I only have to drive a half hour to get exactly what I want instead of settling for who's in my town. Or just because my cousin went to this guy doesn't mean that it's the best person for me. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So I think there's the potential, like I said, for educators to or for collectors to educate each other, but, but also that like collectors can ask the questions where like as tattooers, we might come off as real snobby to be like, what do you even want? Right. You know what I mean? But for another collector to be like, well, you got to know what you want. So what do you want? Right. And yes. And maybe agents for us. Yeah. You know, we've all heard stories of people that have like gone into a shop. It's happened to me. You go into a shop, you have a good idea and you're like, I just want to talk to an artist to, I just want to talk ideas with an artist. And they're like, well, you don't just wake up one day, one a sleeve. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Right. That's why I wanted to talk to somebody about my ideas. Mm -hmm. And you know, that was the the situation with me. I, and I still don't have my sleep done. So clearly I've changed my mind, but you know, I was already getting tattooed. I was already tattooing and I walked into a really nice shop in Columbus that had a really good reputation. They had several good artists and I, I had been following all of these artists. Wow. So I walked in and I'd only been tattooing for like three years. So I was still really a baby in it, but, but I walked in and I was just like looking at all the flash and like looking at the original art. And, you know, I like patiently waited till somebody came out to help me. Like I wasn't a, in a, a, I was tattooing. Yeah. Like I knew how it went. Right. So I was just politely waiting and, you know, I was wearing jeans and a t-shirt. So you couldn't see any of the tattoos that I already had, but I was like, Hey, you know, inter- like interacting with the person like very normally. And, uh, I was like, I was just wondering if there was anybody available that I could talk to about a sleeve. And he just like leaned on the counter and was like, you don't just wake up one day and decide you want a sleeve. And I was like, oh, I know. Cool. Thank you. And I left. You know what I mean? Like the conversation didn't go any further because he gave me the impression he didn't want the conversation to go any further. Yeah. So like I was ready to give any one of the artists like a deposit if you know and like I said I was just I just wanted to talk ideas I just wanted right. to see if what I wanted done was even possible right and just to get that kind of like I don't know if he was just a busy artist who was frustrated that he had to take his gloves off I, I'm under the impression he was actually like the front end manager of the shop which makes it even more like huh how'd you get this position huh. <laughs> yeah he you don't, you don't just wake up one day wanting a sleeve. That's why I came into this reputable shop that I've been following for a couple of years now. And like, I know all of your artists by name and I'm a fan of all of them. So, so that's also one of the things that like, maybe tattooers need to be educated that collectors aren't educated. 
you know, yeah. collectors don't eat, sleep and breathe this like we do. Collectors don't necessarily know that when they're like, hey, I want to get tatted this week. Like they might think that they're like, I got money to spend. I want to make it yours where we're like, nah, bro, it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Like yep. when really we could be better at communicating, like, ah, unfortunately, like I'm in pretty high demand this year. You know, like, I understand you've got money to spend. Would you like to put a deposit down and schedule an appointment? Now, if the conversation breaks down after that, because the person doesn't want to wait, then fine. But like, you need to like, be kind and give the person the opportunity because the average person doesn't know that we're booked weeks and months and years out sometimes. You know what I mean? They're, they're actually walking in really thinking they're doing us a favor, trying to help us put food on our table to feed our animals and our families. And, you know, like a lot of clients really think they're doing us a favor by like, I want to get in now. I want to give you money. I want your work. But as tattooers, there's this pressure that comes and, you know, it feels like everybody just wants it now and nobody wants to wait their turn, but that's not the reality. The reality is they don't even know that there's a line that they need to get in. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like if somebody knows there's a line, they'll get in line, but you've got to politely let them know where the line starts. Right. You know, and I, I think that's kind of a breakdown between tattooers and collectors. And I think that's an area where like those of us doing these podcasts to educate about the community, that's the special, that's the special gift that we are bringing is we're connecting the dots between the tattooers and the collectors. So it's not always just this like frustrating, like I'm only one person. I only have two hands. I'm already working six days a week. Like, what do you want me to do? Work seven. You want me to take no days off? Like I want to work on you, but I got to have time to myself. And then that's where like we got to educate one another and we've all got to be patient with the process. Some exciting news, diary listeners. We actually got a wonderful promotional code from Reinventing the Tattoo recently, and we're happy to share this with you. It's 10% off on a subscription to Reinventing the Tattoo. And if you don't know about this wonderful, wonderful service, it's continuing education for working professionals, very geared around tattooers. But I would venture to say that if you are looking to improve your art skills and have regular momentum to your creation, creativity and to your own professional education, I can't recommend it enough. One of the prime people that you will be critiqued by and helped with and draw with and all of that good stuff is Guy Atchison. And if you don't know about him, you probably should. He is a very, very pivotal person in our industry. I joined them for for one exercise. I I did a color study. I mean, Rico sat there and and watched me the other night do Mm -hmm. a, a color study exercise with Guy and company, and it was amazing. I was flexing all kinds of muscles. It's just all around if you want to improve your art skills. I can't see a better way than hanging out with a lot of professional artists and seeing the kind of work that they do and the kind of exercises they work on all the time. It's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. So again, that's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. And that's going to save you 10% on your subscription. Go check it out, folks. Hello, Apprenticeship Diary listeners. There's a new trimmer company out there called Smooth My Balls. And when I tell you it's Nick Free, it's Nick Free. If you want one and would like to save 15%, go to smoothmyballs.com forward slash The Apprenticeship Diaries. I just had this vision come into my head of, you know, people spend a lot of money to spend most of their time actually waiting in lines to get on roller coasters. And that's very, you know, cross parallel to like Mm -hmm. tattooing is that you're, you're going to be paying for this thrill for this thing, but the roller coaster itself can only take so many people at certain times. So you wait hours and hours and hours in line sometimes just to experience this one, maybe five, five minute experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that will last and embed a memory forever that, that, that you're so proud of that you 
you did and that you experienced, but it's much like going to a theme park mm-hmm. um, and, and spending a lot of your time just to say that you got on this roller coaster and, and you'll do anything like, and it, it is a disappointment when, you know, you go to a theme park and the coaster's down for like repairs and things like that. But do you want a roller coaster that could potentially kill you? <laughs> a whole bunch of people. Apollo's chariot at Bush Gardens. Oh, you we have, you see, he's already he's still. Shit yourself. <laughs> but I've been there. Straight down. I've been at Bush Gardens when that particular one was down and nobody could get on it. You're lucky. Yeah. I ha- Whoa. <laughs> I think it's fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> Some people love that though. That's kind of the, that's kind of the thing. You get that adrenaline spike when you're getting a tattoo. It's a lot more stretched out because you're have you skydived. No. Skydoven. Skydived. No. Sky. Skydived. Uh, no. Have you? Not yet. It's on my <laughs> list. We were talking a few episodes ago on my show that uh, we need to do a tattoo collecting podcast parachute. Nice. Next time we're out West, which would be rad. Derb almost killed us on Camelback Mountain. So why not jump out of a plane? I would. Oh my God. I would, I would, I would paraglide, I like parasail, (laughs) but I don't know if I'd jump out of a plane. Yeah. Um, They would have to kick me out of there. I don't know. I'm going to pee on whoever I, I like. They have to sign off for me on my end that they're okay with being either pooped on or peed on <laughs> hey, because hey, I would I, let's just jet everything ski. would evacuate <laughs> <laughs> I might even get thrown up on I'm not even so sure. Amy can't eat at all for 24 hours before parachuting <laughs> yeah. or drink or anything I was just gonna and I'm gonna be unbelievably di- like dry because I'm gonna be screaming the whole way down and just ah! <laughs> Man. I saw a video recently of this guy. He and his best friend were skydiving. The best friend goes first, and they're they're both jumping tandem. So there's like an expert okay. diver attached oh, wow. to them. So, and as soon as the buddy comes out of the plane, he goes limp. So <laughs> as soon as his feet left the ground, he all the way down. He was passed out the entire way. Oh man, that might be me. I've never passed out before in my entire life. Have you <laughs> have you ever? Have you ever been the type of person to jump off of things like jump off of bridges or like boulders into rocks or anything like that? I mean, I've, I've done high dives and I've done things like that. And I would probably do things like that. Um, if like, I don't mind, I don't mind the fall. Um, I'm not, I love the fall. I love the free fall so much. It's more of the paranoia of the landing, to be honest with you. Um, so, I, yeah, that's more me. When I was young, I had a group of friends and we'd go jump off of like some, there were three different bridges that we would jump off of. And the one that was my favorite was actually the busiest. It was on a main road, but it was just the, the current was my favorite. And it was just, it was a nice, wide, slow moving, you know. Right. Um, but, but we did it so often. And when we did it, we did it regularly that like we'd take turns, like swimming down and checking things out. So like as reckless as it sounds when I'm like, Oh yeah, I used to jump off of bridges all the time. No. Cause I was always in the background. Like guys, we just had a storm last week. Like any tree branch or anything could have flowed under there. Like I'm yeah. always the one that was like, let's yeah. swim down just to be First. sure. Like yeah. that was me or yeah. when everybody else would refuse be like, I'm jumping last then you guys check it out. Let me know it's safe. But I was always the one like, let's be sure first. Like we know the water, like we're familiar with the water, but we don't know what a storm could have brought in. And a lot of times that's where people get injured is the water is deep enough, but they hit debris, you know? Yeah. Yep. No. And and that's the thing is that like, oh, sure. In a lot of cases, at least in my experience, the things that people have given me as a, um, it's not for everything, certainly with like psychedelics and with certain situations, people have prepared me for that. But Mm -hmm. I think I've had more often than not the kind of person that is like, we're going to push you down the mountain or, or, um, you need better friends. Well, you need need better adventure friends. I think I have them now, but like, even still their setup is, um, different than mine. Like as far as like their, you know, their experience with physical things, just because we're dealing all with different physical bodies Mm -hmm. is, is not the same as mine. Like, you know, like those rope, those like rope, 
those like rope jump offs where you're supposed to swing first, first, nobody uh-huh. tells you how fucking heavy your body is with momentum to try and <laughs> hold on to. And they all make it look so goddamn easy. So everybody's like, yeah, it's easy. Just, you know, you hold on. And as soon as I let, like I've done it at multiple times thinking it's going to be a different story. Um, I'm pretty sure that at the moment of my life where you I you've got it at first and then dead weight. Dude, not rope burn. I don't. I don't even think I experienced the dead weight. It was just dead weight, and then automatically my hands were like, "Nope, <laughs> like you ain't holding this bitch." Like, and, and where I thought I would land, which would be mid <clears throat> mid lake, ends up being a complete drop into something that I was not even anticipating. So, like, that's my whole thing. Is that I think that like I've had too many experiences where I've had this overabundance of confidence and visualization that just completely didn't go the way that it was supposed to. It's like what I said about psych- mm-hmm. psychedelics. I always go into it like a dumb bitch going, this is going to be amazing. And that's no, it is. It's <laughs> going to be what it is. And you better, you better be prepared for what it's going to be. So like, I was going to say like, maybe I would have had a different experience with jumping off of rope kind of like swings at the time that I, if I coupled that activity with the time that I had learned how to do a a single pull-up, maybe I would have had a different experience, but my physical body was in a much different place. It's not even in that place now, but like, I know I'm capable of a pull-up now. So now I'm like, Oh, like if I get to pull up again, maybe I'm going to try the rope bridge thing again. And same thing with my once with jumping on a plane, I have, I have a knee that I, I want to get stem cell replacement uh, therapy on Mm -hmm. once that starts. And once I repair the knee, I'll take more, I'll take more abilities to maybe fuck it up again. But like before, before that, I know what I'm working with. And I know that if, if it's a matter of like timing, like a hit and run kind of thing from a parachute, Mm -hmm. like I said, this this person that I'm, I am going to be going down tandem with going to get fucked up and oh man i could pass out it's gonna be it's gonna be a role situation so I let me what... ask you this when you've got when you've got moments of like extreme pressure do you do you slow down like does your brain slow down so you can think more quickly and clearly like does everything around you slow down no no uh, it it it's um it depends on my um vettedness in the okay. experience so it does so, slow down if i'm if i'm drilled if i'm if i'm practiced but not when it's a kamikaze thing my brain yeah. um gasses itself out i've okay. talked to um like emergency responders and they say that this is an, an incredible ability that not all people have but it makes really good like emergency room doctors and emergency responders and things like that but like for me, when my adrenaline's going, and I'm going to compare this to a car accident, when mm-hmm. I'm in a car accident, when it's like that instant, like you've got to think now, or like anything that right. gets or a, a quick slip on a trail where like, oh, that could have been right. close. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like those moments, everything around me like goes ultra slow motion. Like my mm-hmm. brain's moving so fast that everything's ultra slow motion and everything's like crystal clear. Like, you know how when you see movies like Wanted, mm-hmm. where it just like, <sighs> Yep. And everything slows down. Right. It actually does that for me when it's like moments of like high adrenaline. So like fast driving is fun and easy for me because that adrenaline just makes me so crisp and clear and it makes me so aware of everything. And my brain's moving so fast that everything around me is slow motion. Right. So I feel like all of those worst case scenarios, like as they happen, my brain's already telling me what to do to counteract to it. So like defensive driving and counter steering and things like that is where like the car to to my brain, it's all going in slow motion. So it's just really easy to be like, swerve around that out of the ditch. It's funny because I don't think I'd be here today if that wasn't the case for me. Like when you say it, I, I think that I have, uh, but it's not conscious. That's the thing. If, if it were conscious, I could say that I, I identify with you. I think that I just consciously have a correct reaction mm-hmm. when something happens that has preserved my life. But if I were to talk about it, I would say, dude, I just fucking went 
limp. Like I, I accepted what was going to happen and kind of mm-hmm. leaned, leaned into the trauma, uh, in, in certain respects, or my brain switched to this like lizard brain kind of reactive state that, that only happens when my body or my being was under assault. Like, yeah, but there's not a consciousness there. Whereas in things that I'm, I'm practicing there, there is that slowdown. There is this consciousness, like, there's things that people very much so get panicked in that I don't like you mentioned EMTs. Like if it comes mm-hmm. down to like monitoring a person when they're in pain, I get real slowed down, real concise. I get very like methodical and like every, um, every movement matters when you're yes. dealing with somebody's pain. Yeah. And I, and I talk about, I talk them through it and, you know, I, I check in often and, um, I, I know exactly what to do. Like, it's like, it's crazy, but that's, that's just growing up. I think with parents that were very acutely aware of those things when we mm-hmm. were in pain and, and dealing with us that way. And, and, um, knowing, like you said, that there is, there is a time that we have to exhibit right now. Plus I've also been trained as a, a first responder, as a lifeguard, and then, you know, further that with our, our BBP, um, mm-hmm. training and stuff like that. So, it's been something that throughout my life, you know, your tattoo artists were monitoring pain the entire time. So, um, that so mad about the bloodborne pathogens training right now. I've used I, the same, um, I've used the same online training my entire career. Let me rewind. When I first started tattooing, I actually did take in, in person, in, in, in class, hands-on CPR first yeah. aid and AED. Yeah. I recommend everybody should do that and yep. then just freshen up every year with the online course. So I, I want to preface because yes. I feel so much more confident in my skills after taking that class as an adult. I took it in high school, but it was such a short condensed version, but actually having that like three hour in-person course, yeah, do it your, when you're first starting out, just so you yeah. feel comfortable but, but anyways, so I've used the same online company to, to freshen up my courses every year. It's like a three hour and 20 minute process. Now it used to be like, you could just skip the videos and like test out. Like if you tested high enough on the pre-test, you could just take the test. (sighs) Yes. No, I'm so frustrated. And like two thirds of the stuff, (laughs) two thirds of the stuff that I'm watching doesn't even pertain to tattooing. Like no part of the tattooing process are we dealing with herpes simplex or complex. I don't yes. need to know about that to be a better tattooer. I don't need, like, we don't need to know. I mean, everybody no. should know about STDs, yes. but as professional tattooers who are taking the time to take these courses, right. like you're giving us too much information that does not pertain to what we are doing. Like yes. if, if this is going to be a three hour course, give me three hours elaborating on what chemicals are safe to use and when and why. Give me a three hour course on skin health. Give me a three hour course on, you know, the micro trauma. Like give me a three hour course on that. Give me a three hour course on stuff that's usable and useful. Don't just add all this fluff in there. So the CDC is happy because it happens to be blood somewhat related. This is what happens when regulation starts entering into an industry that it's really about the money. It's about that $20 they get to collect from all of us just to feed us this paper bullshit thing. Yeah. Really I'm down isn't. with collecting the 20 bucks, collect the 20 I, bucks I'm once a you. year, but I'm like, with you. give, give us like, if we're going to, if, if we now have to sit through three and a half hours instead of 20 minutes, which is fine. Give us three out and a half hours yes. worth of information. Don't yes. give us a sixth grade health lesson for three hours. That doesn't apply to tattooing. Right. Like we have a lot of tattooers where this is their only source of knowledge. This is their, like I worked in other jobs where I had to know these things before I even tattooed. Same. So when you've got somebody that doesn't already have that background or doesn't already have a good grasp of biology, and this is the only lesson they're getting, give them information they need, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Who do I talk to about making these videos? Uh, what if we just reached out? What if we just reached out and we were like, can we just kind of help with the curriculum? Well, I do that. I would do down with doing that with you, honestly, like, cause, uh, I, I feel the same way. Not only that, but like, but the thing, they all have surveys at the end, which I always take and kind of give those bullet points. But then is anybody even reading these surveys? Are they even like checking in with them? Because like you said, it's been the same fucking thing for years now. So like, clearly they can't be adjusting their, their 
their information. It's like they're just they're just adding more. Like all the videos are the same. They they're just the same. add more. But mm-hmm. now we've got this whole like hour and a half worth of videos at the beginning that aren't tattoo related. Yeah. And then another thing, I don't want to get real specific, but there were some of the bloodborne diseases that they were talking about. And it's like, mm, that's not right though. Yeah. That's not right. Now you're spreading false information. Yeah. And like, if you're going to talk about how these diseases are spread and how they're controlled and it's got to be accurate, you can't right. be adding to stigma. You know what I'm saying? You can't be adding false stigma to the process. Or they completely contradict. Like um, you'll see the visual of something that's not acceptable while they're telling you this is what the law is, you know, and this is what you have to adhere to. Meanwhile, the, the setup is completely not what it should be. And the dude is wearing a watch the whole time, which mind you is probably fine for an EMT, but not fine for a tattoo. <laughs> Thank you. Unless it's wrapped. <laughs> it's not, it's not cool. That so. really is. That, <laughs> it's funny that you've noticed that too, because that's yeah. been a pet peeve of mine. I, I used to, I, I have some really nice watches. I don't wear jewelry yeah. per se, but like, um, I always used to wear really nice watches and I still have them, but I stopped wearing them because of tattooing. Like they're, yeah. you're either always taking them off and yeah. setting them by the sink and you don't want to, yeah. a nice watch isn't cheap to just leave sitting around forgetting about. Yeah. Um, or like the glove doesn't never stays up over the watch, but the watch actually makes the glove rest beneath it. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And, and nobody's going to spray their nice watch with like, you know, Matticide or or you know anything like that. That's not something that's going to happen. <laughs> so I mean, you gotta... I, I would I would frequently take mine and dunk them right in the ultrasonic Did, with you? Matticide, but, Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. see, there you go. I mean, a, a good wear a good, them. Yeah, a good jeweler quality watch you should be able to throw into an ultrasonic, no problem. Like that's okay. that's what they do in jewelry stores to clean them is they dip them in the ultrasonic. You remember the old school, the Benzo, whatever, the pink solution that you'd pour in the yeah, ultrasonic. Yeah. Yeah. That's what jewelers are using. That's what, oh, okay. what is ultrasonic? No, an it's ultrasonic a little basket. You can explain yeah. it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's a little it's she was on the right page. It's a little basket that vibrates that you put a certain solution in. So like for example It sounds like this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and basically what it does is it like the the solution, it vibrates so that you know you're constantly it's kind of like putting your brush inside of water and shaking it around, but it's a machine that does that for you. So it loosens up contaminants while also, um, you know, kind of cleaning every part of it. And it's meant Ah, for things that you can't get into, like you Mm -hmm. can't really fully get into. So Mm -hmm. with, with like, for example, um, reusable tattoo tubes, like steel tubes, Mm -hmm. you put them in an ultrasonic to loosen up all of the, the tattoo ink. um, So that when you go back to the tub, you know, your, your tattoo cleaning station and using, um, uh, different color or different sizes of, um, uh, wire brush tools and, um, pipe cleaners, you're able to get all of the ink off and then you autoclave them. So it's, it's a process of like, of cleaning your instruments, but I don't wear watches. So I didn't know that. And I always clean my jewelry mostly with toothpaste uh, because it seems to work um, pretty well. <laughs> it's going to be basically the same idea. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're, you're just, you're scrubbing it manually, mm-hmm. but, but yeah. yeah, that's going to, that's going to get but in there and work like you, I, I have so many cool rings and bracelets and stuff that when I first started tattooing, I, I was like, you know, really good about cleaning. And then I just, you know, it was one of those, it was one you of get those, tired of snagging yeah. your gloves on your rings. Yeah. You, you just feel wasteful. Like no matter how careful you are, you end up snagging your every, every fifth or sixth glove you'll snag on a ring. Yeah. Well, know, and just, I, my rings were even like, I, I only had one that even it, it had like a bezel set stone, but it was raised. But other than that, everything was cabochon. So I don't understand how like women that wear like real, like diamonds with yeah. like the prongs and settings that like, and you've got all these angles everywhere. How do you even try to wear that under your tattoo glove? Like how that's gotta be so much more work than it's worth. And you throw away 25% of every box of gloves. My apprentice didn't, she, she had a little station for her rings that she put on and several times she ended up leaving them at work and freaking out and like, 
thinking that they were lost forever. And Mm -hmm. I I was just, you know, like, I I don't know how long that'll last. We're not, we're not in communication right now, but uh, I would imagine there's going to hit a wall if she continues tattooing. She's like, babe, can we just do something that's simple for this ring as like a, you know, a marker or like, can I get a more simple band uh, that that fits under my gloves? Have you seen the the silicone rings? Oh yeah. They're great. I love them. Some of my clients wear them and it's, that's a, that's really a good idea. And then when you think like industrial applications and things like that, you're not going to de-glove a digit if your ring gets caught. Yep. Yep. They'll take the, the ring off first or at the very least, you know, um, yeah, there's some stretch or if you're, you know, if you're pregnant, your hand swells or any kind of swelling kind of thing that happens. Another. Know? I know. No. Yeah. I just see what I was just, I was like, where'd it go? Where'd I just it go? It. <laughs> well, I would like to ask you because you, you let in on your podcast, um, that you did not have an apprenticeship. So I, I'm very interested in this story. Um, so do you want to, do you want to, first of all, how long have you been tattooing now? I believe 13 years. Okay. So we're on the same started in 08, December of 08. Right on. Nice. Approaching 13 years. Awesome. So yeah, I did, I did not have a traditional apprenticeship at all, which I think I think is kind of surprising in a lot of people with the, like everything that I've done in my career already. Um, I, I was always an art nerd. I, I was always one of the art kids, one of the band kids. I was also an athlete. Um, I was also a science nerd. So all of this culminated to the perfect, like, Hmm, I didn't know I was grooming myself to be a tattooer, but I sure was. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, art nerd, all the art awards and things like that in high school. Um, I went to art school and because of Republicans, I only went for a year. So I've got like a year and then some continuing ed class credits from when I was in high school. So, um, but I really made the most out of my art school experience for only being in art school for one year. I got really close with the chairs of both of my departments. Um, And then my drawing instructor, um, she was just the, the foundational drawing instructor at our school, but she taught a, an advanced figure drawing uh, class at Wayne State, which Wayne State's campus in Detroit is right like CCS and Wayne State. Like we even share some facilities and stuff. <clears throat> so I got to go over and like, um, like audit her classes at Wayne State. So like I got three times the drawing education out of one teacher just because like I took the time to ask extra questions and let her know I was interested. And, you know, in, in my lithography class that was actually taught by the chair of the fine arts department at my school. And, you know, we got close, like we got to know each other. Well, he got to know like what some of my goals were and I got to learn about his past and how he like put himself through art school and things like that, which is a cool story that I'm going to get into in a minute. Yeah. Um, so, and I came from a family where like my older brother who I, he lived in Ohio and we lived in Michigan. Um, he had tattoos, but outside of that, like my mom, my dad, my stepdad, like in the community, we lived in a small community. There was one tattoo shop. And so like, I wasn't, I wasn't in a, a community of people that was tattoos were even a thing. Like in high school, there were a handful of kids that had small tattoos before we graduated. Like it was just kind of like off the radar. Like, so I never really can. I mean, I always figured I'd probably have some tattoos, but I never imagined that I was going to actually be a tattooer. Like, you know, I draw on my friends and stuff when we were like waiting between classes and, but I never thought I was actually going to be a tattooer. It was like, my goal was to go to art school and to become a medical illustrator. Like that's what I wanted to learn how to do. And that's why I like took the computer courses. Cause I knew things were going to start changing to more like computer rendering. And um, so like, I wanted to know all the classical forms of art so that I could basically like commune with all of these other like anatomical artists before me. Like that was my goal. And then like, I also wanted for my own personal purposes, I wanted to be the person like in the foundry casting huge sculptures, whether they were mine or somebody else's. Like those are the things that I wanted to do. And those were the things that I thought I was going to be doing with my life. So then Republicans happened, couldn't finish art school. 
in a nutshell. Well, they've been around for a lot longer. Was it just that that funding stopped or? So, so both of my, my stepdad got uh, laid off from his position. Uh, my mom's position about six months later at a totally different factory, she got laid off. And it was just in that like 2003, 2004, where everything was just crashing. You know what Gosh, I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. in a nutshell, I'm just like Republicans. That's why I didn't finish <laughs> art school, but it's really just like the economy was crap. And the first thing that anybody pulls funding from is arts and music yeah. because it's frivolous to most yeah, people. Most, so, yeah. you know, going to a really expensive art school that, you know, I know I'm going to be getting fewer grants because it's an art school. And that's where, you know, they basically would rather give grants to more useful careers when money is tight. So anyways, I I was only in art school for a year, made the most of it. um, And just learned after art school, I jumped into the retail um, gauntlet I started working for Victoria's Secret and I started kind of climbing there. Well, are we like the same person? Well, maybe. <laughs> oh my maybe. God. Jesus Very Christ. similar parents. I know. Go um, ahead. I'm sorry. So I was a panty pusher for a while. <laughs> Me too. Um, and knowing and understanding all of these things about the art world and the design world and just being like fascinated by psychology and things like that. I got really into like the behind the scenes of the retail. Like I was great on the sales floor and like our, we'd have sales contests within our store and we were at, we were a C volume store, but Tasha, one of the sales girls and I, we had a contest who could sell the most beauty and our numbers were skewed so much that our district manager had to come over and be like, what's going on with your system. And our store managers, like these two ding dongs over here are having a contest. And the district manager was like, really? She's like, you guys are third in the whole company. It's like, well, I guess we're doing good. We just like all of our, all of our ladies that came in, we'd be like, you know, we can order you this. So you don't have to go to Chicago and get it. So we were selling like huge beauty orders of stuff that we didn't even carry in our store. So we just like the, the numbers just skyrocketed. So that was kind of my foot in the like, Hmm, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I learned how to run the back room. I learned how to run all the, like the planograms. Like I knew that brand guide, like the back of my hand. So I started getting invited to like store openings, like whenever they'd be opening a new store, whenever they'd be doing a remodel and we'd have to like relocate to another location and bring it back. I was unofficially kind of the district manager's personal assistant. Like I'd have a clipboard and I'd have like a list of things and I'd basically be her, I'd dole these out and basically walk around and enforce so that she wouldn't have to. I was 19. Yeah. You had a I was 19 and had these opportunities just fall in my lap. So I was learning everything I could about retail and sales and, you know, running businesses for other people. Like you had a much better, um, I guess, uh, perspective going into it than I did. I, I, um, I did Victoria's Secret after I had done Starbucks and I only lasted six months in Victoria's Secret. Now I do think that it's per the leaders that you have in your specific location. Mm-hmm. I, I did not have, um, I did not have good managers as far as so I was concerned. It, it's funny that you say that because yeah. when I was in Michigan, I, I so I was 19 and my family had decided they were going to move back to Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, I was promised the next store that opened in Michigan. Like it was supposed to be my next, like it, it was going to be mine. I would have wow. been like, I think if not the youngest, one of the youngest store managers, but with my family deciding to move like six hours away, it was like, man, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to live alone, like by myself, right. by myself like that with like out any support system around me at 19, like right. I wasn't lot. ready. So instead I transferred down to one of the stores here in Columbus and apparently one district manager didn't get along with the other district manager and it all got taken out on me. Oh, so, no. so once I came to Columbus, I was being utilized to to train new managers, but she wouldn't let me log in under any of my management codes. She wouldn't let me log in under any of my training keys. So I'm training managers for minimum wage. Right. You also, (laughs) yeah. So also in the time that there was like a two week gap 
when I was moving that I, I didn't work. I was, you know, I had two weeks before I was supposed to start a new location. And when I asked about like our, our raises that we were supposed to get, she was like, well, you missed your, what do they call it? Review. You missed your review in the period that you were moving. So you're going to have to wait till next year. So it's what? Like, I'm working for Michigan's pay rate in Ohio, and you're not going to give me a raise, but you're utilizing me to train all of these people. Mm. Yeah. So it yeah. just put a salty taste in my mouth. Yeah. Um, and then I worked for a few other retail companies and basically did the same thing. I would travel, like set up new locations. Um, that, that company got hard because I, I enjoyed the traveling, but there were a couple of times that they'd send me and I, I thought I was just like retraining staff, but I'd show up and they, they would let me know once I got in the town, I was going to, that I was closing the store. Oh, That's shoot. pretty rough to like walk rough. in and tell a whole staff, like, sorry guys, you don't have jobs, but can you stay and help me load this stuff up in the semi trucks? <laughs> You know, that's a pretty <laughs> awkward position. So then I'd oh. have to be stuck hiring day laborers and having day laborers pack up all this women's merchandise and clothing. Right. And like, they don't, they're not retail people. Like, Thank you for listening to part one with Fawn Baker. You can follow Fawn on Instagram at Fawn underscore Baker. Visit Red Tree Tattoo Gallery online at redtreetattoo.com and check out the Tattoo Collecting Podcast on YouTube on the Reinventing the Tattoo page. Join us again next week for part two with Fawn Baker. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our listeners. listeners.